Welcome to Wax Sun Weekly. Wax Sun Weekly is the official Western Athletic and ASUN Conference podcast of FCS Fans Nation. Wax Sun Weekly is hosted by Dustin Helton, Brandon Owens, and Will Siler. Welcome back, FCS Fans Nation, for the next installment of Wax Sun Weekly. We are full-blown into football season, and if you're watching on YouTube tonight, you may see that we've got a fourth box on the screen today, and we are delighted to be joined by the former voice of the Kennesaw State Owls and the host of the FCS Checkdown podcast, Nathan McCreary. So, Mr. McCreary, how are we doing tonight? Uh, great. We had a great week of football. You just kind of starting to get into that conference play and um, looking forward to some of these rivalry games. Absolutely. Well, we are privileged that you chose to join us tonight. And so thank you for doing that. Gentlemen that are always with me, uh, Rev and Brandon, how are we doing? Oh, I got 98 problems and social media is one at the moment. (laughs) All right. I didn't know where that was going when you said you had 98 problems, but, uh, Brandon, how are you, my man? Uh, ecstatic. My uh, the band I work for, we won our contest yesterday, so I was very happy yesterday. Was very tired when I woke up this morning to go to work, but I was very happy yesterday. Well, congratulations! That is awesome. I know a lot of work goes into those band competitions for sure. Well, uh, we'll just jump right into it. We had lots of games yesterday. Uh, had a lot of non-conference matchups, and so I'll go ahead and run through them here. Uh, EKU and Austin P in the game of the week from last week. Austin P stormed all the way back, took it, uh, took EKU down 31 to 20. SEMO came out on top against UCA 35-27. Kennesaw State pulled out a squeaker against Wofford 24-22. Jacksonville State rolled over Nichols 52 to 21. And as Rev is showing, nobody cares. Uh, Tarleton rolled over North Alabama 43-28. SFA dropped almost the century mark off Warner. That was something. Uh, Southern Utah won their rivalry game against uh, Utah Tech 31-17. Then Abilene uh, knocked off or just beat Western New Mexico 34-7. So lots of good results. We talked before the show on games we want to talk about a little bit. We got to touch on the game of the week, Austin P. Eastern Kentucky. This was a tale of two halves. Um, so I didn't get to watch a whole lot of it because I was at SEMO for the UCA game. So, uh, Rev, I'll start with you. What did you see uh, from the governors in the second half that, uh, that pulled it out for them? I just want to know what the hell happened. That's, I mean, to me, just Eastern Kentucky was just completely obliterating and dominating the first half. And then it's like second half, they just completely shut down. Um it just surprised me to see a team that could go in, do do seven overtimes with Bowling Green, you know, basically hang in with Eastern Michigan, dominate, you know, um, Alabama A&M, and then uh, just, just completely collapse. I don't know if at this point, like, what triggered that, if it was just the fact that they were playing in Clarksville instead of playing in Richmond, um, if it was that not quite 10,000 uh, crowd that they had there to help with the uh, – the goes, but it just completely, completely shocked me that the wheels completely just came off the bus for the for the Colonels in the second half. Nathan, did you get a chance to watch that game? 
Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I almost equated to SFA and Jacksonville state. I mean, you know, Jacksonville state looked terrible in that first half. It was 17, seven and SFA completely disappeared in the second half. I think EKU did the exact same thing. And, and I had, uh, you know, we had uh, in our podcast in the FCS Checkdown, we talked to um, Coach Ron, whose son is Ryan Jackson, on the defensive line for EKU. And I asked him, I said, you know, it's been so emotional. You've had two FBS opponents. You've had your coach die in his office and then be resuscitated and then come back to the field. I said, is there a crash to this emotional uh, roller coaster that they've been on? And he said, you know, he didn't think so. But um, I think that's exactly what happened. This team has been just on such a high they've been playing high level football that's been high emotional highly emotional you're on the road and all of a sudden the second half you totally collapse and and uh, that's the only thing i can think of is is it was an emotional collapse for them rather than on the field although the results result resulted in on the field issues um because i think eku is very very good but now Austin P has positioned themselves to be uh, the favorite for the at least an at large in the playoffs, if not the AQ. Yeah, I agree that uh, maybe it was an emotional crash because it, I mean the game lines up that way too. First half played really well, um, probably come out halftime. Austin P plays a little emotional and uh, obviously got the best of them. Just some stats that were uh, pretty astounding from that game. Mike Delillo, my guy ran for 180 yards as well and then that's only 180 of 320 something that the team uh, rolled up so you run for 322 yards you don't win a lot of football games so uh i thought that was interesting uh and i'm just saying austin p has quietly snuck up to four and one and not a lot of not a lot of four win teams in america right now and but they're one of them so uh, really not necessarily looking forward to them coming to Conway this week because, um, I don't know, I think it's a very good football team. I think they've got a real chance to make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to SEMO uh, and UCA. Uh, Eight-point game, 35-27, SEMO. Uh, story of the game, special teams. It has been in two losses for UCA so far um, to Missouri State and to Southeast Missouri. We gave up a kick return touchdown. Um, and then just didn't cover well on the rest of them. So that was the difference in the game, uh, and we didn't control the line of scrimmage. Uh, Geno Hess ran for 205 yards. Um, that dude's pretty good, but they don't really have a mobile quarterback, but he looked mobile against us. So, Brandon, did you get a chance to watch it? I watched a little bit of it going up to the contest after our rehearsal, and – I was very impressed with how Simo looked. Simo just looked like the better team. They looked like the more complete team. They looked they were they were the more dominant team of what little I was able to watch. They uh they definitely look like a top fifteen. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. But uh what was that? <laughs> I I have no idea what that was. But, I don't uh, know. Okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, just Will McIlvain, wanted to give him a shout-out. He had his second good game in a row. He threw for 281, um, which he kind of had to. UCA rushed for 16 yards, so uh, he had to have a good game. He got popped on the first drive, uh, looked just like the Missouri State one. And I know I went on Twitter with uh, with you, Nathan, about that hit from Missouri State. 
I thought it was targeting. I don't think you did, but anyway. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm uh, kind of old school and and feel like a lot of the targeting penalties we would just call like old old real good football plays. But yeah. no, hel- him with the helmet, leading with a with the helmet is is a uh, is a pretty and that was tough. That happened so quick. And after I watched it, I was like, yeah, that's probably targeting. But uh, <laughs> I, gonna, I was wrong. Yeah, it, with the South with Simo, like if they're not in folks top 25 this week they need to be they've had themselves one hell of a year so far and they're looking like the they could just run away with the ovc um to be honest with you with the way that they have the laurent throwing the ball and the way hess is just moving surprising though that will mcavain threw for so many yards and you know no touchdowns nothing no no scoring production out of him we uh so i will say we you know Darius Hale, he's a touchdown machine. We tend to hit a lot of his touchdown runs are one, two yard touchdown runs. So, uh, and we did have a couple drives stall out at like the nine, 10 yard line yesterday, though. So, um, yeah, he's not scoring a whole lot, but he, uh, I will say, he's managing games pretty well. Um, you take out Missouri State where things were a little shaky and then take out Ole Miss, and he's done well the past two weeks. So. Yeah. The thing I would say, too, with UCA is that watching them this year and watching the games that they've, almost one you can see that they're on the cusp of being a real good team just they need another they they probably need another year or two but they would definitely be you know in the top 15 top 10 sort of conversation um with the trajectory that they have going right now um you know i know coach brown's worked worked hard you know to put pieces together again they lost a lot this past year um you know hale is still young so with McElwain and Hale on the offense, just give time for the other players to develop. And honestly, next year, like I would be, I would not be shocked to see UCA, you know, being a top ten team by the end of the next season with just the way they're going. Well, I hope so because I'm not used to watching UCA start one and three. That was I mean, I, I enjoy it. I kind Nathan, of enjoy it. Yeah, Nathan Brown hopes so too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll talk to Coach Brown tomorrow. Uh, I go to coach the radio show that they do uh, every Monday night, and uh, so I get to talk about him or talk to him uh, about the games every Monday night, and I'll show up and be like, what should we do, Will? Like, <laughs> well, you know, what, know. For UCA, they had so many pieces last year that everyone ex- had such high expectation. Well, you lose those pieces, and you go, okay, now what? And, you know, Darius he- Hale – Hasn't had a great start to the season. McIlvain, lots of questions around him. Um, but you just kind of wonder, if you didn't do it last year, what's going to you know, make the difference this year? I, I think Destin's right. I think they need some more development, and I like Coach Brown as a, as a head coach. But, man, the pieces were there last year, and so that makes me wonder, you know, is this the right guy for the job to to get it done? And I I know he's a legacy there, and, and it'd be terrible for him to lose his lose his job after not performing after a couple of years. But you got to get it done on the field. I mean, he had so many pieces last year. It'd be interesting to see what he can put together this year. I will say the the way the schedule worked out for UCA was honestly a coach's nightmare um, to put forty five new faces on a roster and then open up with a top five FCS team. Um, Ole Miss, you got the job done against Idaho State. You thought SEMO preseason wasn't going to be what they are, and then here they are. You know, they're a, in my top 25, sitting around 19, uh-huh. 18, something like that. Uh, so for a coach, that you know, that's tough. And then you have to play another top 25 team at home this week. So, I mean, 
I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, the schedule has done UCA no favors. So iron sharpens iron, my friends. You get a tough schedule sure. like that, it's only gonna help you for next year. Yeah, EK using the same situation. Matter of fact, I think they're twenty fourth and twenty fifth for strength of schedule. Yeah. Um EK used in the same boat having to play Jacksonville State and, and Sam Houston. And so um yeah, they got a tough tough road ahead as well. All right. Uh, we'll talk a little Kennesaw State and Wofford. And Nathan, I know these are your owls. Uh, you're an alum, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, what did you see yesterday as Kennesaw State squeaked one out over the Terriers? Well, you know, they made the quarterback change. Jonathan Murphy's an experienced quarterback. He, uh, he, he got the start in the playoffs. His very first start for Kennesaw State was at Weaver State in that playoff game. Um, he's a very dynamic he's a left-hander. Um, I think he understands this off this offense much better than uh, Xavier Shepard did. Although he, all, Xavier Shepard got all the accolades during the offseason. Um, and I think Coach Bohannon wants to get back to what Kennesaw. Well, I thought Kennes, uh, Bohannon wanted to get back to what Kennesaw State was, which is throwing the ball four or five times a game and rushing, really pounding the rock. But they didn't. They threw the ball, what, 14 times or something like that. Um, if you talk to their their offensive coordinator, Grant Chestnut, he said, if we throw the ball 10 times, we're losing generally the, the football game. So I think Kennesaw State has a little bit of an identity crisis right now. And I don't know that if I'm going to blame the new blocking rule where you can't uh, – uh, you know, outside the tackle box, you can't go below the waist. I think that's a huge part, and it, it is affecting these spread option teams. But I think Kennesaw State needs an identity uh, – look in the mirror and find out who they are right now. I didn't think they looked particularly good. Wofford's a terrible football team and they should have blown them out. They didn't. And it came down to the wire. And so, um, yeah, I I don't know what to make of Kennesaw state right now. They've got Jacksonville state coming up and I think that is going to be a slide. I think Brandon's finally going to get Kennesaw state. uh, Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Now all that could change. You never know how it goes, but uh, yeah, I don't know who Kennesaw state is right now. And, and, off of Jonathan Murphy's performance, you may start him again. You may you may keep Shepard on the bench. I don't know. Uh, we'll find out this week, but uh, or platoon him, one of the two. But yeah, I don't think yeah. Kennesaw State has a real strong identity right now. Yeah, my two questions I have with Kennesaw State are one, where's the defense, right? Because I mean, you let Wofford throw for three hundred and fifty something yards, and I saw that stat, I was like, this isn't right. And it turns out it was. And second, what do you do with Xavier Shepard? Like you have, I mean, you do have all American talent there. You know, why don't you create some packages for him or put him in another position? He could probably go in there and run it and be in the backfield with his speed. Um, I just think that's that's what uh, Bohannon has to figure out because putting him on the bench and not using him is is a waste of talent. Like it, it truly is. And that's nothing against Jonathan Murphy because he, he's a great quarterback too. But I mean, yeah, I think what, what you said about them having an identity crisis and just so many questions is, is what it is. But it's not the offense for me. It's their defense. Their defense is just... Not there, not the defense you expected to see out of, out of the Owls. Yeah, they lost a lot at the linebacker position. They lost both their leading tacklers from a year ago. Um, they lost some in the secondary, although the secondary is going to be supposed to be more talented back there. Um, they lost some on the defensive line. They're not getting pressure on the on their opposing quarterbacks, and there's just too many holes in the offense right now. I mean, Sanford picked them apart, and it was it was a really hard game to watch. But yeah, so I, I think you're right. Their defense has been bad, and I don't think they have a real uh, quick answer for that except for just just work at it get better um in the middle of the week for that those weekend games because it's uh right now you're just not a good football team 
I want to hear what Brandon thinks about KSU because his, uh, his his opinion interests me. I I don't know. I, I'm literally like Nathan. I, this is not the same KSU I'm used to seeing. Uh, I'm used to KSU literally being dominant, just pounding the rock, just running it down the field, running it running it down everybody's throats. Like there's part of what we'll get into it a little bit later, but there's part of me that thinks this weekend might be good for me. And there's the other part that I'm like, I, the past three times we've said that and look what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that was weird, I'm sorry, Will, one of the things that I thought was interesting is when I, I went on with uh, Sam Herter in the uh, early summer and said, I didn't think Kennesaw state was going to be a very good football team. They lost their, their running back. They didn't, hadn't really p- replaced anybody. Their defense had been, um, depleted and then I started talking then I started seeing camp and I was at their camp talking to coach Bohannon coach Bohannon's like this is the best team we've got we're these guys are stepping up they're they're player led um we've had the best practices since I've been a coach here I'm thinking okay this dude knows, knows what he's talking about turns out that the, on the field is kind of a, what I thought they'd be just their, their their running back game has not picked up um they're they're throwing the ball too much and it may be because of this blocking rule I don't know I haven't talked to coach Bohannon about it but the fact that he thought this team was going to come out and do well and they're not that's kind of concerning uh, from from my perspective yeah um I haven't kept up as much with the rest of the triple option teams uh like going to yes but I know the first couple of weeks, the service academy struggled a little bit, which you never can tell with the service academies whether they're struggling because they're bad or they're struggling because of a rule or something like that. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting with Kennesaw because they, they got a real test this week uh, with Jacksonville State, and we'll hit on that a little bit more later. Um, I don't want to hit on a bunch of blowouts too much, but there's one blowout I want to talk about, and I think this will be the rev rant for the week. Um, SFA put 98 points on Warner. Um, If you don't know, this is a game that was originally not scheduled. Um, It was the result of the uh, Lamar defection to the Southland, uh, going back to the Southland. And then uh, they've got, you got Abilene twice because of UIW leaving. So uh, some scheduling issues, uh, it's not a way to to get, you know, quality opponents on short notice like that. So you got to schedule a football game. Uh, you got Warner. So, Rev, give me your thoughts on the Lumberjacks hanging 98 on Warner. I mean, it's kind of weird because as a fan, you you want to see your team win, but you're not necessarily proud of the win that occurred with this game. And it's really frustrating because with the score, Sports Illustrated picked it up, The Athletic picked it up, you know, and a lot of it was, uh, and a lot of folks picked it up and just basically read the box score versus actually watching the game. You know, SFA was up, 50, I think, 59 to nothing at half. Um, they were playing their third stringers. They played a guy at quarterback who wasn't a quarterback, basically. You know, and they still managed to put up 30-something points. And those t- those scores weren't all offensive. They had a, a return for a touchdown, a, a pick for a touchdown. Um, actually, I think they had two picks for a touchdown. Um, so, as a, so, like I said, as a fan, it, 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 you hate you don't you kind of hate how this goes and of course everybody sees the box score and it sees where it says 98 to nothing it says two point conversion failed and they're like they went for two to get to 100 no because one our scoreboard doesn't go to 100 and two they kneeled the damn ball right because they didn't they'd stopped they kneeled the ball um but no one saw that and certain fcs media folks went ahead and ran with the the 
the story that they were running, they're going to go for a hundred and failed. Like, you know, that's absolute BS and it's shame on them for being lazy in their reporting. And if they hear this, they know who they are. I'm not going to say their names out loud, but they know who they are. Although I'm betting one of them definitely doesn't listen to this podcast. So anyway, you know, the, the, my problem with this game is that it shouldn't have happened. As Will said, the thing that NCAA should have done is the NCAA should have said to Lamar and UIW that you have to play the schedule that was made this year. The fact that they were able to leave at the end of June, the Southland had such messed up schedules because they're playing home and home. So like, oh, well, we can work you in. So then it left other schools completely, uh, completely just at, a, you know, up a creek. You know, uh, there's no there was no D2 schools available in the state to play because they all had games. You know, uh, Commerce had a game against a NAIA school. I wish we had bought them, bought that game out from them and had them come to Nacogdoches because that would have been a fun game. But it didn't it didn't happen. So instead, we had to play an NAIA school. You know, uh, the, the, it's kind of funny because you think NAIA, NAIA and you're thinking non-scholarly things like that. And that's not true. They do have less scholars than D2. They have 24 full scholarships they can use instead of 36. But some NAIA schools can hang in with D2 schools. So it's just we caught a school that was just completely outmanned, out, out-talented and everything. And it, it sucks. Now, the other option to this would have been to have a third bye week because since SFA played week zero, they have two bye weeks. So you and they had a bye week last week. So how are you going to have a, a, a team have two bye weeks going into their rivalry game? It doesn't make any sense. So I think the administration did what they could do to get a game, and you know, hopefully at least for the SFA side, it knocks some of the rust off, and they're able to understand some of the issues that they are having. I don't think Warner is a good litmus test to see if they're what they did in the bye week was truly effective, but at least you know it gives them a little bit of a boost going into the game at NRG. But, you know, like I spent most of last night correcting folks on social media about this game. I was like, besmirch us for scoring 98 points. I'm for that. You know what I mean? Like you can go off all you want about them scoring 98 points. You know, that's fine. But you can't. People are trying to say they're trying to run to 100. My other thing, too, and Will and I were talking about this before the show is, what do you tell a third stringer? To go out there and kneel three times and punt? You can't do that to an athlete. You can't tell an athlete to not go out there and play, especially when they're getting opportunities to do it. So I don't envy Coach Carthel being in that position, um, but I just think think some of this is getting absolutely blown up, much like the score was. But you know, it, it's, it is kind of frustrating to to have had to kind of read the media today because of that game last night. I uh, I felt for you last night because you were correcting people on Twitter and once Sports Center and all these other, you know mega media outlets picked it up i was like all right red you can't keep up anymore like there's no way to correct everybody i corrected matt brown and that's what mattered matt brown (laughs) i did correct him and he took the corrections so we're good hey i don't Uh, know if you knew on the east coast the um the abc actually brought in a highlight of them kneeling uh the two-point conversion and they talked about it was 98 to zero so that was uh kudos to them yeah, at least they're showing the right thing. I mean, thank goodness I had a beer nearby for after that rant because, gosh, it's so frustrating. I'm ready to get past this and focus on next week. <laughs> well, that, my friends, is your week four rev rant. Um, I know your wife was looking forward to that one. Uh, <laughs> she, was, she was talking about it today. So Yeah, she this morning when I woke up, uh, I she was like, why the hell did we play Warner? And I told her why, and she's like, that's going to be your rant for the week. She listens to the show every now and then. So hi, Rachel, if you're listening. Um, but uh, – yeah, she she knows she knew it was coming. <laughs> Rachel's the goat. <laughs> she is truly the goat. She's awesome. Well, uh, 
those were the games we kind of want to talk about this week. We're going to move into our middle segment, and as or per usual, I'm going to hand it off to the Rev to uh, carry us through this uh, this middle segment here. So, Rev, yeah. you can take it away. Yeah, so let me pull this up because I actually have some stuff. And this really – we had a couple things we're going to do this time just for fun. I mean, obviously, since uh, Nate's here, we want to talk about his view of the Wax Sun. Um, because, you know, as part of the group of folks who covers this conference, I'm, I think you all be interested in his perspective. He and I have talked about it before. Um, but then also we have a, a couple of other little things. And yes, we are going to do a game because Nathan is here. We're going to have a little fun with it. He can opt in if he wants, but since it's rivalry week, it has to do with rivalries. But so, I mean, Nathan, first of all, just one, again, thanks for joining. But, you know, I have talked about this before, but with the Wax Sun and uh, the leagues, uh, and what do you see? as the future of the wax sun, how long do you see it lasting? Well, um, I think it's going to go through at least 2024. And uh, I don't know if y'all have mentioned it or not, but commissioner Gumbart, a sun commissioner has announced that he's retiring. And so um, he had a health issue early in the summer. I have no idea if this is related to the health issue or if he's just realizing, Hey, I've been doing this for 30 plus years and it's time to go. Um, you're, you're literally going to have two new commissioners. You had Jeff Hurd retired at the end of last year, and now Ted Gumbart at the end, uh, the, the end of this coming year. He will not be there for the 23-24 season. So I think there's, there's, there's big questions. Obviously, the ASUN has to add a team. They have a, they've applied for a waiver for the 2023 season to play with five games. Uh, five teams rather, which is uh, below the minimum. So they actually have an automatic qualifier for the 2023 season with only five teams. If they had to leave the, the a sun whack Alliance and go on on the own on their own and they would be fine. Then they, then the uh, whack would have to apply for an AQ itself. But uh, I think that's going to last through 2024. And uh, just talking to some people around the league, they really feel like there's a, big opportunity or big likelihood that the A-Sun and WAC may become a football conference um, together. And uh, I know Ted Gumbart's feeling on it was stay regional. He wanted regional teams to come in. He wanted to bring in maybe a a, a Mercer or a Charleston Southern or something to add to the A-Sun. But, uh, you know, obviously the WAC's not a regional regional opponent so you're having to the games are across the country are expensive so i don't know how the presidents are gonna gonna feel about joining these leagues i mean it, uh, a, a joint league and having to play and travel to utah maybe a couple times a year from a team like kennesaw state uh so i don't know i, I mean i i think that uh, the likelihood is it's going to continue um, through 2024 and then beyond that, I have no idea uh, where it's going to go. But uh, I do think there's a there's there are lots and lots of questions. And the rumor mill I've heard recently is that Charleston Southern wants to join. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard, been hearing. I've heard, too. I've heard yeah. that too. Yeah. Yeah. They want out of the Big South, which is a garbage conference right now. And, uh, you know, who, who knows? Who knows? As long as Robert Morris goes somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, please don't join the A-Sun. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to be welcome into the, into the A-Sun. But, yeah, I think it's probably going to be a, a longer term than we initially thought after COVID happened and these, these conferences had to align. So, do you? Uh, I got a question, though. Do you know anything about, uh, say, for next year scheduling purposes? Because the conference schedule isn't made yet. And so – is there a chance that we could do what we did last year in 21 and um, have, you know, cross whack a sun scheduling because that makes the AQ process obviously a lot mm-hmm. harder this year mm-hmm. using computer ranking. And so do you know anything if they've talked about that 
here's what I, here's what I know. And this was an off the record comment by a coach who I can't mention, but they said, leave these dates open. So they're already planning some kind of cross play for next year. And that would obviously make sense for the AQ. If there's a, if there's cross play, if there's not, and you have to do this power ranking thing again, I think you're going to lose a lot of fans. They're going to be really frustrated. There's no, Uh no cross play. Yeah, I know SFA and UCA already have a game on the books next year, so that's at least one one down. Yeah, that we can use. So we've talked about the the rumor mill, you know, with Charleston Southern wanting to come in, which I mean we've all we've all heard. But you personally, who would you like to see join the ASUN or even join the WAC and make this make this conference even stronger? You know, the WAC's done a good job, I and mean, they have teams that are that are coming in. Of course, Tarleton is like stepping stone uh, into the FBS and pretty vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see Mercer come back into the A-Sun. They're a founding member member of the A-Sun originally. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I would love to see them them uh, come in. They're a great football team. Um, I think you know, the A-Sun could look at some Division II teams in Georgia, Valdosta State and West Georgia. Both have very quality football programs at the D2 level. So um, I think that's an option. Uh, as far as teams that are in the area right now, um, you know, Chattanooga, I think Chattanooga would be great. That's literally an hour from Kennesaw. So those teams are, are options, but you're not going to draw teams out of the Southern Conference more than likely. That That's a stable conference with a, with a um, competitive uh, alignment with the CAA here in the, in the East Coast. Yeah, I was thinking, whenever I was thinking about teams too, I was like, nobody's going to leave the SOCON because of how stable it is, unless they're – jumping up to the next level of football and going to FBS. Other than that, there's no reason to leave them for any of the regional conferences that are, that are nearby. I don't know. I kind of would like to see a team like Southeast Missouri go into the A-Sun. I think that would be an awesome add to. You know, as long as it's after Jacksonville State, I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, the idea was that Southland was a, was a garbage conference, and a lot of those teams were, were talking. They Actually, Nichols was a name that I heard last year that may join the A-Sun and then SLU, but it seems like mm-hmm. some Southland. I've heard SLU more yeah. than Nichols. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. The thing with the Southland was that Southland was under such bad leadership under, under Tom Burnett. Like he was, he was a terrible commissioner. You know, McNeese was looking to get out. They were looking to join the WAC. And then the new Southland commissioner, basically, they gave McNeese everything they could ever want to stay in. They gave them the basketball tournament. They gave them, uh, I think, the baseball tournament, too. Like, everything is now centered in Lake Charles uh, versus being in Houston, which, honestly, Southland basketball is garbage. I'm fine with them moving it to Lake Charles. That's, you know, that I mean, football wasn't the reason SFA left the Southland. It was basketball, Um, you know. And and, but that, that conference is such a hodgepodge i almost wonder how long AM commerce is going to look at them and be like hey maybe we should go elsewhere too because there's not for commerce where they kind of are even uiw you know the reason i'm kind of surprised uiw stayed in they're both on islands you know houston now houston christian university instead of hbu you know they're at least 90 minutes from beaumont there's at least you know there's at least some local you know localization there but it's three hours to san antonio you know i think uh commerce is five four or five hours from natchitoches so there's not anything close close by in terms of competition. And so I, I do personally wonder if they start looking at, at, at the WAC or even at the ASUN and saying, hey, we need to go to a different different conference. Uh, you're talking about 
Uh, yeah, the- sorry. Will I keep I keep interrupting? I was gonna say I, I do think until a commissioner is named, I think you got a lot of instability with the A Sun yeah. and Brandon and I um, had a great relationship with Kyle Calander of the Big South, the commissioner there, and with the OVC and the Big South joining. Um, basically reigns. I, I think Kyle Kalander would be a great pickup for the A-Sun. He's experienced. Um, he's a football guy. And I think that would be a huge compliment to the A-Sun if they could get somebody like Kyle's um, pedigree into the into the conference and get in as quickly as possible. Name him and get him in there so you got some stability going into the uh, you know postseason and after the season, offseason for uh, college football. I do think it's important, like you said, to get somebody that is a football guy because uh, obviously it drives realignment. And the ASUN, I think, had some trouble maybe um, understanding the world of football when it came to. So when Jacksonville State announced they were going to jump up, ASUN's had several schools jump up before and they, you know, keep them eligible for their conference championships. But I don't think they thought through, hey, oh, they're moving up. They've got extra scholarships. We got to tell them they're not eligible. And so I think that was part of the, the reason there. And so you've got to name somebody now that understands FCS football or just football in general, the D1 landscape of football. Um, to, to be able to attract schools with already rich football history. They're, like you said, they're going to want some stability. Yeah, Jerome Rogers is the next man up for uh, for the A-Sun Conference. He was actually ran the media days. And if yeah. you saw the media days, they were some of the – it was some of the most boring – I mean, yeah. Ed Gumbard is like a fiery guy and he's, he's, he's talks to anybody and about anything. And Jerome was like this monotone and I'm sure he's a great guy, but I think if you're pulling teams in, I talked to coach Walden of Austin P this past week and I asked him about the commissioner change. And he said, you know, this was, this was Ted Gumbard's vision. That's why Austin P jumped in. This was Ted Gumbard's vision about the a sun football. So, um, yeah, he had an impact, a positive impact on ASUN football and and these teams. When you when you saw Austin P jumping from the OVC, that was a huge deal um, for to get a team like Austin P. And it was because of Ted Gumbart. So they need another personality and need it pretty quickly. Yeah, no, one hundred percent agree. And I'm interested to see what happens with the future of the ASUN and then also the, the WAC, the WAC Sun as we call it as we go forward. I, I mean, I enjoy this conference this this confederation if you will like i absolutely enjoy it i think it, you get some really great matchups you know um that that i would love to see annually like i i, I know if the whack and, and ASUN were to solve this i would miss playing uca all the time I, I thoroughly enjoyed our time in the south end together um except for their ugly damn field but you know everything else that's playing them i absolutely absolutely enjoyed i enjoyed um, football because we kicked your ass all the time but you only how many times did you beat us when you were playing i think only once maybe twice you weren't that good against us i only down. played you twice my guy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you played us during the clint conk era that's i mean you kind of got to pass because i mean that guy was so bad we took your leftovers so big mistake big mistake by us so one thing i want to ask we're to the end of september and this isn't just for the WAC and ASUN. This can be across the entirety of the FCS because we all do follow across the board. What has been the biggest September surprise to you this year? What what team has either completely shocked you in how well they performed or completely shocked you in how bad they've been versus their preseason hype? I know I'm setting SFA up for that one, so I'm just going to drop their name now so we can get past that. But, but I mean, who's been your September surprise? Uh, Brandon, let's start with you. Um. Even though they kind of had a bombshell this past weekend, it's been Incarnate Word. I I I was like everybody else. Incarnate Word is not going to be that good. I mean, I I thought they were going to make the playoffs regardless, win the Southland, but I did not expect them to start as good as they did. 
Um, and then this past weekend was just like, uh, what just happened? Uh, saw the saw the uh, last play. Very impressive by uh, SLU. But they're my they're my top or they're my top choice for who has been a big the biggest surprise in September. Yeah, I would agree. That's a that's a good one. Um, that 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 way that game went against SLU. Don't call them C-Log. They're SLU. Completely C-Log. shocked me with how how just how first of all they lost uh, uh, they lost their starting quarterback. They had a freshman come in and do that. And the fact that the the incarnate word coverage just completely fell apart on that last play. It's insane to me just how they fell apart. Maybe SLU is that good. Maybe it wasn't just a Cole Kelly sort of thing. Maybe maybe they are a, a better team than people had given them, them credit for. Um, I asked that question on the Big Boy podcast, so <laughs> we will we will hear that one answered. Yeah, I'm sure. I am absolutely sure we will. Uh, Nathan, what about you? Who's been your your September surprise? Yeah, I mean, I think Brandon nailed it. UIW, I think, was everyone's. SIU was a, is a big um, – you know, big, big, uh, just fell flat on their face early in the season and pick up an FBS win. Um, so that was, that was pretty impressive. S- I had SIU. I thought they played extremely well. Um, you know, in for the A Sun whack, um, obviously Kennesaw State is a, is a huge letdown and SFA was a huge letdown. As much as I think of Colby Carthel, he'll, he'll put it together. Um, but I didn't realize losing the four coaches that they lost was going to have that big of an impact. And and he compared it on our podcast. He's like, don't look at us of what we were last year. Look at us maybe three years ago. Cause, cause we're starting to, you know, have to get the chemistry back on the coaching staff. So um, yeah, that was a big, that was a big letdown. Very excited for Austin P. Um, you know, when you come out and have a homecoming game against EKU, who's on such a high and you're able to put it together like that. Uh, Mike DeLillo did not look good in the first half. I mean, I'm thinking, we did the interview last week with him. I think he's never coming on a podcast again. He's going to blame us. You know, it's like superstition or whatever. And next thing you know, he runs for 180 yards or whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Austin P is a very pleasant surprise. Um, what Coach Walden's doing down there is pretty cool. Um, young young coach. I think we. it's always fun to see, like, a new, vibrant, uh, energetic coach on the sideline, and he is that coach. Um, I think out of everybody – Gosh, you know, I think South Dakota State's offense has been a huge letdown. Um, matter of fact, I picked Missouri State to beat them this weekend because they're not getting any pressure on their quarter on quarterbacks. Their defense doesn't look that great, and uh, their offense doesn't look that strong. But yet they they hang around two and three in the country, and I don't think that they're that good of a football team. Well, I shouldn't say that. Relatively, they're not as good as what I think North Dakota State is, and and maybe even Weber State, who who disappointed yeah. this weekend. But uh, yeah, I think South Dakota State's got some problems ahead of them. Uh, one thing too, before we go to you, Will, I want to call out um, Austin P fans. It was homecoming, and you couldn't get ten thousand people there. I understand that Tennessee was playing at the same time, but your team wears black and red, not orange. And Rocky Top is a horrible fight song. There, I said it. Rocky Top is terrible. You should have been. You should have been there because of this. We had to give Will extra points in the in they the let me down. They let, let me you. down. Disappointing game like that. Disappointing. So, Govs Nation, disappointed in you. All right, Will. What about you? Yeah, so uh, everybody kind of took everyone that I had uh, lined up, so I'm kind of going off the cut here. But uh, I'm going to say SEMO just because mm-hmm. they, they've been impressive. And, they're again, they're one of those teams that's quietly moved to 3-1, and one, and they're 3-0 and oh against the FCS. And they've looked impressive. They beat the one the rivalry game at Southern Illinois. Uh, they beat us at home. And then, obviously, they uh, uh, beat out of Nichols 
last week. So uh, Gino Hess looks really good. He's a big, strong back that, that runs very well. Uh, Paxton DeLaurent looks good. Um, he can really throw the ball. He's he's a tall, big quarterback. Um, so I think the way their line of scrimmage was against us, their offensive and defensive lines, I mean, they dominated us. And we've played really well defensively on the line all year. And so they uh, they got after us. So I'm going to say Steemo because I think if Martin is down at all, uh, they'll win the OVC. And, you know, if they don't lose another game, uh, they're starting conference schedule. If they don't lose another game, you could see him pick up a seed. So I'm going to go with Simo. I'm, I'm looking to see when Simo and Martin play. Um, I think it's later is, in the season. Uh, I, think I think they avoid them, actually. Yes, they do um, avoid, they they avoid them this year. Yeah. They play Lindenwood, Tech, Northwestern State. Uh, they do play Eastern Kentucky, so that'll be an interesting one. Um, Eastern Illinois and Murray. So they avoid Martin. So. Wow. So that's an interesting scheduling quirk there. I didn't think there was enough teams in the OVC for them to avoid Martin. That's interesting. I have another one just because nobody, I don't think anybody will even think about this team. If you take mine, I'm going to be mad at you. Elon? No, God, no. I don't. Okay. Elon, Elon no, has, Elon has actually kind of impressed me this year. Uh, kind of hung around with Van, Vandy, destroyed Wofford, struggled against Garner Webb. And then out of nowhere, Comes and beats up a beats a uh, hyped up uh, William and Mary team from the from the FCS world um, after William and Mary. Who, what was the FBS team they beat? Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. Come yeah. on, but Charlotte. Charlotte's a glorified uh, FCS uh, team. So. Still, it's an FBS win. <laughs> Elon. Everybody thought Elon was going to be the bottom feeder of the CA. They may still be. But they actually beat a really good William and Mary team. After they're they're inconsistent, but I'm yeah. I'm impressed that they're three and one right now. Hey, yeah. Can I uh, can I let you know, Brandon Joseph? Number one, his wife's pregnant. Her due date's today, so we want to wish Brandon Joseph all the best. His first yeah. child is going to be yeah. born this week. But he's been ringing the Elon Bell since the before the season started that they're pretty good and so I got to give him all the credit because when he said they were going to he picked them to beat William and Mary this weekend. I'm I'm like. No way. I saw the final score. I'm, you know, throwing stuff. But, yeah, he's been ringing that bell. He said Elon's a pretty good football program. He's got to put it together and be more consistent. boy, Brandon. Congrats on the baby. Welcome to the world of no sleep. Yeah, that's what I told <laughs> him. You know, she's – she's. I said, uh, I said, you ready? He said, I'm ready. The mom is ready. He said, but the baby's not ready. I said, you're learning, learning a valuable lesson in parenting right now. Cause, <laughs> cause, hey, the baby starts dictating your life starting as soon as it takes its first breath. So Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, my team – and you can follow me on this one because I still am not sure if they should be ranked in the top 25 yet. And I had a discussion with Kyler Neal about it. But I am repping them for those of you watching on YouTube. It is, it is uh, Joe. It is the Idaho Vandals. Like, if you look at their performances against Washington State and Indiana, they played really well. They had Washington State. I thought they were actually going to pull that game out. Um, and then they, they – I mean, they played really well the past couple weeks too. I mean, yes, they, they beat up on on Drake, which, I mean, I mean, who doesn't beat up on Drake? But, um, you know, they beat – they did pretty much decimate Northern Arizona who, you know, did beat Sam Houston and UND barely uh, squeaked out a win against them. They've got Northern Colorado this week, who probably is the best football team in Colorado at the moment because neither the Buffs or the Rams have a win right now. Um, but then um, after that, they get a bye. And then I think the true test of how far Eck has taken the team is on October 15th when they travel to Missoula 
and they play Mon, uh, play Montana. I believe they play for the 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 uh, Stein. I think that they're Little Brown Jug. I can't remember what it is. One of the two. It's on the list I have next. But uh, but they play uh, in that one. And I mean, that's going to be. I think it'll be a true test of how far they come. Eck is one hell of a coach. She did a great job at South Dakota State. And I think to your point, South Dakota State's kind of seeing the impact of Eck not being there anymore um, this year. And so, if there's anyone who's going to turn around. Vandal football, get the get the crowd going in that half of a beer can they play in called the Kibbe Dome. It's it's Eck. So uh, Idaho would be my team. That is the September uh, surprise, and I uh, hope to see more out of them over the next month. And their defense is really really good. I mean they they they're putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback and stopping the run. So yeah, that's a good pick. I I, I would I would throw in Mercer on the heap. Um, I think Mercer. Everyone kind of looked at the Southern Conference and said, you know, Chattanooga, ETSU, Mercer maybe was in the conversation. Furman was in the conversation. I think Mercer's got a clear path to the to the Southern Conference championship if they wanted. They just can't they can't uh, stub their toe. But uh, as they're entering conference play, I think they're the favorite. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Um, and yeah, it was a little Brownstein. So I don't want Chris Hammond to get mad at me for getting the wrong the wrong trophy on here. You know, he's going to call me at like three in the morning whenever he podcasts because the dude never sleeps. And he's going to be like, hey, hey, um, you messed up. Anyway, so speaking of this is rivalry week because we have um, JSU and KSU and then we have the Battle of Piney Woods. You know, each week we've had a game to test out Will and Brandon's FCS knowledge. Uh, Nathan, I don't know if you've actually listened to this, but when they did geography, man, man. Oh, it was awful. It's brutal. It was, yeah, it was so bad. He didn't, like, he didn't exactly throw us any bones though. So it was like it was like when Sanford beat up on KSU. It was just disappointing. I expected better out of them and they just completely failed me. They got a little bit of redemption last week um there with, with that game. So since it's rivalry week, we're gonna do a little rivalry trivia. Nathan, you can play if you want. If you're listening, play along. Let me know how many you get, and um someone will send you something. I think we owe that Northern Alabama guy something. What's his name? Will Brandon. Uh, Brandon Haddock. Brandon Haddock. Uh, yeah. Brandon Haddock, if you're listening. He plays all our games with us. <laughs> Brandon Haddock, if you're listening, uh, DM me on Twitter at the Rev SFA. Let me know your address. I'll get something sent to you. It may not be Northern Alabama, though. We may have to differentiate on FCS gear you have, but we will get you something to you. So this game is pretty easy. I'm, it's really simple. I'm going to name the teams. You name the game. Okay? So, for, so we'll use this one as an example. Sam Houston and Stephen F. Austin is... Battle, Battle of the Piney Woods. Woods. Okay, see, pretty easy. So I there are some pretty hard ones on here. So like if I turned around and said, um, well, let's use this one, uh, Delaware and Villanova. <laughs> see, exactly. Is this a, is, that was a – That not... was an example. That's okay. not a real one. But see, there's some ones you guys I know you're not going to know because you've never read a book, and it's the Battle of the Blue. I was so, going to say, is there some of the blue – it's a blue trophy yeah, or something? There you go. Yeah, see, look. Yeah, he's, something like that. See, at least Nathan Nathan reads. I guess he does that. <laughs> All right, so ready? Here's the first one. It is Northwestern State and CNF Austin. Chief Caddo. There it is. Will's got one. Sorry, that's a, that's the largest trophy in uh, all of uh, it's all of NCAA rivalry games. I think I believe so. I know it's the largest in D one. It's seven feet six inches tall. It's huge. Seen it in is person. massive. Uh, I have a photo of me next to it. I'm just like damn whenever i stand next to it like <laughs> they had to take out the ceiling tiles and store it in the field house <laughs> like it's it is just absolutely massive all right guys uh montana montana state brawl of the wild there it is one to one 
pretty that's a good one i mean i knew that one so. are we getting the trophy or the 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 game oh so the name of the game is brawl of the wild do you know the name of the trophy that's the great divide there you go get nathan, yeah. get nathan on the board that is that is correct you can name you can name the trophy too and i'll, I'll count it because some of the a lot of these the games represent the trophy as well yeah. but then you know some of them they they have a they have a name and then they have a, a different thing for the trophy which is you know you, you can't keep it simple for someone who's trying to do uh trying to do trivia all right so since we talked about the service academies earlier vmi and the citadel i don't know that one gotta be some commander uh something (laughs) it is not and will if you see kevin and frisco he's gonna he's gonna kill me matt he's gonna kill you he is gonna force you to have soko kamikazes and it is the military (laughs) classic of the south and they play for the silver shako and the silver shako looks like a corn dog oh all right. Looks, it, I'm not Google Silver Shaco. When Will, I know you want to do it now. Go ahead and Google it real quick. It looks okay. like it looks like a, it looks like a silver hot dog. Silver what? Shaco? Silver Shaco. S H A K O. A K O. Yeah, the Silver Shaco, and it looks like a silver corn dog. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, it's a it's like a military hat. Okay. That bloom gotcha. is awful. <laughs> That is bad. It is so bad. All right. Let's go to one that uh, I hope you know. If not, the boss is going to fire you. North Dakota State and South Dakota State. Dakota Marker. There you go. Good one. Now, just a bonus point. Do you know what North Dakota and North Dakota State play for? The Marker. North Dakota and North Dakota State? Yeah. Oh, the Silver Nickel. The Silver Nickel. There it is. Silver Nickel. They both got that one. Yeah, they did. Well, I think I think Brandon's owning you on this one. Um, but let's do one that what that I, that I think How? I think you should <laughs> know. Tied. I think actually I think you are tied. So we'll we'll have two more. Uh, Nichols and SLU. Uh, Riverbell. There you go. Yeah, I know my Southland rivalries. Yeah, I'm in that, that league one, for a while. I know that one is pretty easy. And here's one that is the that is pretty funny. I'm gonna. I didn't realize this was one. I'm going to just say it anyway. I want to see what you can guess what this is. The Citadel and Wofford. Uh, I know what that one is. You, you do know what that one is? In the the Battle of the Big Dog or something? It is the Big Dog. The Big Dog yeah. trophy. Because right. it's Battle of the Big Dogs. It's the Bulldogs and the Terriers. So uh, Mine was a good guess. <laughs> I mean, it really absolutely was a good guess. I got to give you guys one more. Did you guys decide a name for the JSU-KSU rivalry, Nate? Uh, I think last year we had talked like Battle for the Silver Comet Trophy or something mm-hmm, like that. Yeah, the Chief Ladiga or yeah, the... Yeah, Chief Ladiga or something Ladiga, like that. Yeah, or, the, or the Silver Comet Trophy. It never... It kind of lost its steam when, F- it <laughs> when they went FBS and we knew they weren't going to be a rival anymore. That's pretty frustrating. Like, I think that would be... Uh, I, I mean, I think that would be... Just, a, a, just come with us. I think it should be the Battle of the Grub Mart. <laughs> there's a grub mart there's a little there's a little place little service station there outside the stadium called the grub mart matter of fact outside you, of y'all stadium no it's outside of y'all stadium i know that's mine that's yeah, yeah. ours but yeah we don't have a grub mart unfortunately oh, i was about to say there's a grub mart over there no. and when they uh all the videos started popping off of the first female kicker um Jacksonville State had the first female kicker to score points in, in NCAA college. There's a huge Grub Mart sign in the background of of that kick, and I'm every time I'm like, yes, free, advertising. Mart. <laughs> free advertising. 
That's that is absolutely amazing. I'm looking for one that I think one of y'all will get. I'm pretty sure the rest of these you're not going to know. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll give you one, but you can't answer because I know you know it. So this is for Nathan and Brandon. Do you know? Oh, what I was going to use that one. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, you can you can use that one. Go ahead, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. The uh, UCA and McNeese rivalry. The oh, it's, it's, it's the, the the iron pot or iron. No, no, no. no. Oh, crap. something. <laughs> Isn't oh, it? no. It's a uh, 50 pound, 50 pound pot or nope. something. <gasps> it probably weighs 50 pounds. Oh. And actually, he is. Actually, no. Nathan McCreary is correct because the name of the trophy is pot? the 50 pound iron pot. Yeah, 50 oh, pounds. That's the name of the show. So rice and bowl, rice, red beans and rice. Red beans and rice bowl. Fifty pound iron pot. Yeah, I didn't know that was the name of the trophy. It's not. <laughs> it's not on there. Wow, that's don't even know your team. I've held that trophy, baby. And how do you not know? How, it's not on the. That, it's, does it weigh fifty pounds? I uh, probably yeah. It's pretty heavy. Pot. <laughs> There's a. Pounds. I didn't know it was called that. Though we just always call it the red beans and rice. Bowl. <laughs> that may not be the official name. No, I, I mean no. It, it, per per you know Wikipedia, and if it's on Wikipedia, you know it's true. That's right. It is absolutely one hundred percent accurate that it is the fifty pound iron pot. Well, guys, that's enough cool. games. I'm gonna say Nathan won because I really didn't Thank score. You. <laughs> so, I, get a, you, I get that other guy's UNA hat. You're gonna yeah, say. you can. Yes, yeah. yes you can get. You can get that UNA hat. We will send you. I will send you some UNA <laughs> UNA swag. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, I gave. So at some point, these these two uh, knuckleheads are going to get their geographic redemption. Um, I just got to figure out when we're going to do it to let you guys make up for just how bad you were the first the first time we did a game. And the rev doesn't doesn't let it go, does he? I'm just saying, like I expect better out of my my partners. Like, I like just, it. I don't know. Just, just. <sighs> All right. Up. All right. Let's talk about next week's games because there are right. a whole bunch of good ones. It's time to preview some week five. It's hard to believe that it is week five of college football season. That's Should I hold this up again for when JSU is brought up? Yeah, probably. Um, first game on the schedule, and I, I don't, I never put UCA first, but Rev always does for whatever reason. Austin P, UCA, uh, four and one. Austin P coming to the stripes. Uh, you know, preseason. This was the second game of what I thought was a winnable stretch of games for UCA, and I don't know. Austin P looks pretty good. Uh, Mike Delillo is a, uh, he's a dude. He's my guy. I've been pumping him up all year. Um, so I'm interested to see how, how we hold up. So, uh, I'll just, I'll get you guys' thoughts because, uh, everybody knows what mine are going to be. So, uh, Nathan, we'll start with you. You know, I think this is going to be Darius Hale versus, uh, Josh Samuels and the running game for Austin P. If Darius Hale can get started and get running, then, uh, then I think UCA is going to hang tight, but, uh, Delillo is a, a game manager. That's kind of what he's been so far. Um, he knows when to pull it down. He knows when he run it to when to run it. He's, pretty athletic he's had some really bad interceptions he's had two pick sixes and uh their four games so um you know i think that i think austin p is gonna gonna pick up the win in this one um i just don't think uca's put it together so far but if they could get darius hale started and uh McElvain to to kind of be a game manager himself and not make mistakes i think uca should hang hang tight but i think austin p is going to win this football game yeah, I gotta agree with you there. Like, I know, um, I know, I can, I can save y'all a, a couple minutes and tell you who Will's gonna pick. But um, I like, I know that UCA 
is a is a good team. They're just not there yet. And I think Austin P is just right now currently playing on a different level than UCA is. I know the game's on the stripes, which always do have some sort of impact. Um, but I think it's going to be the governors um, in this one, especially coming off of uh, the win over EKU. That's a, a lot of momentum to have going in. So sorry, Will. You know I do like the Bears, but it's I think it's the Govs. All right. Yeah, I I think it. I think you uh, UCA is actually going to keep it close because it is at the stripes, and UCA always has a good home field advantage. Um, but I think. Our former Gamecock running back and the Govs are going to get it done. You know, it's unfortunate. Uh, we could make a 10,000 bet on uh, UCA's crowd this week. It's family day and band day. And so the crowd would normally Dang. be Dang. But listen, listen. Arkansas plays Alabama and fails. Yeah, I was like, it is it is, it is Bama, <laughs> Arkansas weekend. So uh, I don't know who scheduled that one. Uh, what time? What time? What's the difference of times? Uh, Arkansas plays, I believe, at two thirty because they're the CBS game, and we mm-hmm. play at four. So. Oh, okay, yeah, never. Yeah. All, right. <laughs> All right, so Central Arkansas fans, who, if you're listening to this, you don't wear red and white. You wear purple and black and white. You don't need to call the Hogs for one you weekend. Can, you get can out. Watch, you probably can't get tickets to the game in Fayetteville anyway. Watch it on your phone in the stands if you want. I don't care, but sit in our sit in the stands. Wear purple. Listen, your kicker is just going to doink it off the top of the upright anyway. I wouldn't even waste your time. Go watch it. Go watch a better game. Go watch. Go watch UCA and uh, and Austin P. That's right. Um, I tell you what. I think as long as UCA doesn't fall flat on their face in one aspect of the game we can keep it close. And, and if it's close going into the fourth quarter, who knows what happens? Um, that's kind of how I am with UCA. If it's a, if it's a game going into the fourth quarter, I think we'll, we'll be okay. Um, but so far this season, we've had special teams hiccups in two games and it's, it's really cost you the game. It, thir- it was a 13 point swing against Missouri state, two missed field goals and a uh, KOR touchdown, KOR touchdown against SEMO uh, as well. So, um, if you can play well in all three phases, uh, I think you can. I don't. I don't think you're a inferior team to Austin P. I don't think that's it. I think that you've got to play well and all. You got to put the three phases together and play a complete game, and I think you'll be okay. Can we do that? We'll see. So, uh, you, you, you all know who I would pick. So, uh, we'll move right along into uh, honestly a pretty interesting game, Southern Utah. Eastern Kentucky. So then Utah is another team that has quietly moved into a three and one record to start the year. And EKU coming off, obviously the tough loss to Austin P. Uh, this is really the first true test I would say for Southern Utah, other than the university of Utah. Um, but we know how that goes. So what are you guys' thoughts on, uh, on this matchup? It is in Richmond. Anybody can go. Um, I, you know, I like Southern Utah. I really do. I like, I like coach uh, Fitzgerald. I like what he's doing out there. You know, the fact, I mean, they are three and one granted they haven't played world beaters here. I mean, they beat Utah tech in the first of two rounds of a rivalry game. They beat Western Illinois and in, in Macomb, which I mean, they went and beat a Missouri Valley team, which is great. I mean, they're garbage Western Illinois, but they still got the win. You know, like I said, they're, they're quietly three and one. I just, you know, going into Richmond, Playing in Richmond is always an interesting, interesting thing. Having to get to Richmond is always an interesting thing as well because it is a it is a bear to get to. Um, I don't. 
I don't see Eastern Kentucky collapsing like they did against Austin P. I don't think Southern Utah has the same amount of talent that Austin P has at the moment. I think, you know, we talked about UCA being, um, you know, being a year from being a top 10 team, top 15 team, in my opinion, I think Southern Utah is probably three years out, two to three years out. You got to let a coach Fitzgerald get his players in, but you can see the paradigm shift that he is bringing to Cedar city. So while I love you coach, you're, I don't think you're going to get this one. I think the, the Colonels win. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I would say probably 14, 17 points. I would give it to EKU. Well, yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, I'm going to keep it short and simple. I don't think EKU is going to struggle at all. It's at home. EKU by three, three scores. Okay. So I like Delane Fitzgerald. I think he's building something there, but he had a, Wholesale changes. They 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 brought in over fifty new players uh, to this roster. One of the new players was a kid named Isaiah Woods, He's a wide receiver transfer from Kent uh, Kent State. Um, he has been fantastic. He's already got over four hundred yards receiving, forty seven uh, and twenty. I'm sorry, uh, let's see, uh, three hundred ninety nine yards, fourteen receptions, four touchdowns. He leads the whack in all purpose yards right now. Coach Fitzgerald said Justin Miller is a poor man's uh, Tom Brady. So I think that those those are – and he's he's done some, some great things this year. But I don't think one or two pieces is going to be enough for uh, Southern Utah to hang with EKU. Number one, EKU is going to be pissed. They're going to be at home, and they're going to have a rowdy, rowdy crowd there at Roy Kidd. And I think that's probably going to be overcome. You're going to see some Southern Utah do some good things, but uh, I think EKU is going to be too much for them this weekend. I uh, I think I'm sitting with you guys on this one. Uh, I have Eastern Kentucky 37, and I just went. I picked an arbitrary score just to kind of say the width. Uh, EKU 37, Southern Utah 14. I think Eastern Kentucky uh, is a, just a, a superior team. Uh, Parker McKinney, he's a dude. He's one of my guys. Um, I think he will uh, be a difference maker in that game. Moving on, Abilene Christian, Utah Tech, three and one Abilene, and uh, one and three Utah Tech. So. Uh, this is interesting because uh, Abilene hasn't really played a uh, super tough schedule. I mean, they played Missouri. They hung tough with Missouri, uh, lost by 17. Um, now, some of their scores were in garbage time or garage time, as uh, Jack Rabbit Illustrated likes to call it. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit intrigued by this one. I think it'll be closer maybe than some people think. Um, and I think Utah Tech has a chance. So uh, we'll start with you, Brandon. What do you What do you see out of this one? Yeah, I agree. I think with how how Utah Tech has been doing their scheduling the past ever since they moved up, um, they've been playing some of the toughest teams in the FCS, and that has only made them a much better team. Um, I think this season, doing the same thing, when you get to a team like Abilene Christian, who isn't bad but isn't good either, I think it could play a big advantage as to like talent versus talent. So I, I think this is going to be a, a close game and I'm actually going to pick Utah tech in this one. See, I got to disagree with you. I don't, I mean, Abilene Christian, they are the Toyota Corolla of the whack. We said this, they're dependable. They're going to get you, they're going to get you wins. They're not going to necessarily be uh, against world beaters, but they're going to get you wins against teams that, that aren't great. Um, you know, granted, yes, they did play Western New Mexico last week. Um, you know, they're down, they're actually down to the, the first quarter of Western New Mexico too. And then they turned it on. Ethan Long came in, though, from Maverick McElvore, and he had himself a game. 251 yards, two touchdowns. Looked great. 
they're they had a run back tandem with Dobbins, who's played well so far this year, and then they had uh, uh, Banks in there as well, getting two touchdowns. Uh, so you know, Coach Patterson is is you know doing the right thing there. I like you. I mean, I, I have a, a soft spot for Utah Tech. I just they're they're I think they're not as good as Abilene Christian truly is right now. So I would love to see Utah Tech get the win, but I think it's going to be uh, Abilene Christian. Yeah, Abilene Christian brought in 19 transfers, uh, most of them from FBS programs, including Ethan Long, who took over for Maverick McGiver, who was over started over four, and the offense was stalled. So expect uh, Ethan Long to get his first start, and I think and he's a transfer. Gosh, he's from uh, VMI, and then spent some time at Maryland, I think. Um, and Maverick McGiver from Texas Tech. They've got a they've got some some guys there, some dudes there in that quarterback room. Um, I like what Coach Patterson's doing there, and I think that EKU is not going to have any problem at all with Utah Tech. I was always surprised that they went with McElroy first. I know he came in from Tech. I know Patterson knew him from a previous role, but you know they had Peyton Mansell still, who was still you know he knew how to to I mean he knew how to play in Abilene. He knew the offense, uh, you know that that they had there. I was kind of surprised that they that they didn't go with him with the experience he had. Um, and then, of course, too, with having Ethan Long there, I was really still surprised they went back before even over Ethan Long. I think Ethan Long's the better quarterback of the two. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week with, if Long does get his first start and what yeah, he can Pey- do against the Blazers. Peyton Mansell changed his position to defensive back and got his first interception this week. So, uh, yeah, so I, I am too. He's just an athlete, and it sounds like Coach Patterson's doing some good things there with uh, – with the Wildcats, which they haven't had some good, you know, good, good news coming out of uh, Abilene for a long time. Yep, I'm high on uh, Kobe Tracy from Utah Tech, the quarterback. Uh, he's already thrown for almost 1,300 yards, um, nine touchdowns, only three interceptions, and they've put up points. They put up 33 on Sac State, uh, 14 on Weaver, which is the most that Weaver's given up all year, um, including their FBS matchup with Utah State. So. I'm high on the offense from Utah Tech, and so I'm going to roll with the Trailblazers uh, in a close one. I think this is uh, a game they can win, and uh, so I'm going I'm to roll with them. That's my gut is that they're going to win. So uh, moving on to the first of two rivalries. Kennesaw can we skip this, please? <laughs> I do not want to pick this game. <laughs> Nobody cares. Uh, Kennesaw State, Jacksonville State, in the battle for the what? The Silver Comet Trail, is that what we're calling it? The, the Comet Bathroom Cleaner? That's what I heard. Yes. The battle uh, of just move on to the <laughs> FBS already. <laughs> the battle of Rich Rod and a co-ed. Quickly come oh to Conference God. USA. Oh, gosh. So uh, this one, I don't think – I'll just go ahead and pick it. I think uh, Jacksonville State rolls. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's the Jacksonville State of old. If it was last year and John Gross was at the helm, I, I could see a Jacksonville State collapse. But uh, – I. Love him or hate him, Rich Rod, he's, he's got his guys ready for the most part all year, or at least if they haven't been ready, they've been ready after halftime. And so um, I'm going to roll Jacksonville State uh, pretty big because I think the the defense for Kennesaw State is pretty suspect. Yeah, let me get my pick in so you two can start bickering over this game. So <laughs> I I honestly – I that we kind of talked about earlier, Kennesaw State, there's so many unanswered questions that they have right now. Um, especially on their defense and the way that Rich Rod's offense works, he just takes advantage of of defenses that are that are struggling. You know, look at what they did against Stephen F. Austin, just absolutely obliterated 
uh, you know, uh, the defense and, you know, and they SFA had their own, have their own unanswered questions on, on defense. So I got to as much as I hate to do it, I got to give it to Jacksonville state, those jerks, but yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta lean with Jacksonville state on this one over the owls. Um, but you know, you never know. They've uh, this game is always interesting. You know, every time you expect Jacksonville state to go in and get a win in the old era, Kennesaw state managed to do it, but I don't see history repeating this year. All right, boys. No shots below the belt. No, <laughs> yes, but, keep uh, it clean. Keep I think clean. we're probably gonna, I think we're probably gonna agree. Yeah, I think yeah. we're probably gonna agree. I think Kennesaw State is in a position they've never been in before, which is we've mentioned it before. No identity, not able to get get the you know rushing yards, and you know I really believe that um, they're gonna struggle against Jacksonville State. Eighty-five scholarships versus sixty-three, and uh, I just don't think that it, it's gonna be an SFA type game. I think Kennesaw State may hang with them for a quarter, a quarter and a half, and next thing you know, Jacksonville is gonna put 50, 60 points on them, and Kennesaw State's gonna be standing there, you know, very, very happy that Jacksonville State is moving up to the FBS. Uh, I do not want to pick this game. I do not want to pick this game. Um, if you notice, I never pick the UCA game anymore. I just don't say it. So you, you don't have to. We, we we know who Will's going with, like, anyway. So we could be playing freaking Alabama, and I'm still not going to pick it. <laughs> um, I think who wins this game depends all on who starts at quarterback for KSU. Is it, is it going to be Jonathan, or is it going to be Xavier? Uh... Yeah, you're asking the wrong person. I, I I think if you're Coach Bohannon, you probably stick with Jonathan Murphy because he played well. Okay. Um, but I don't have any inside information on that at all. If it's Jonathan KSU has a chance, in my opinion. Um. Oh God, it's at home. I want to pick Jacksonville State, but history is telling me something else. I'm going KSU. Wow. You know what I would love to see, though? I would love to see KSU come out and Jacksonville State's expecting them to run some version of the triple option, and they throw. They throw, <laughs> the, entire first drive. They throw the entire first drive. They just – that would completely <laughs> throw off everything that Rich Rod had, had planned for, <laughs> and I would just love to see it. Like, I'm not saying they're going deep and throwing bombs, but, man, they're throwing short routes, just, just moving the ball like that, you know, like four or five-yard passes. It would completely throw off Rich Rod's defensive game plan, and I think – I be here for it like i would i would love it i don't yeah. think it's gonna happen but i would love to see it i'm gonna I say think, i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that uh kennesaw state has under 250 yards rushing I wow think, that's a good that's a good over under bet i think this is going to be a lot like 2018 without all of the overtimes I, I think it's going to be a battle all the way down to the wire, and I think KSU is going to get the job done. What What makes you think that is it just because it's a rivalry game? Because I mean, looking at what JSU has done against every opponent, because JSU session, hasn't been successful against KSU. But it's, it's reverse psychology. It's reverse psychology. I get what he's yeah. doing. He's, 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 he's trying he's to pick Kennesaw so he doesn't get heartbroken. And then, and then, of course, he doesn't get shredded the following week. Whenever, if, if the upset were to happen, hey, I have a healthy, wins. I have a healthy lead in the standings, so I you can got a one off. game lead. That's not healthy. <laughs> oh, so speaking, speaking of the standings, if you don't know what we're talking about, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm gonna throw these up. Our game of the week standings here. 
Uh, I threw together a little bit of a graphic just so we could see a visual representation of how bad I have been this year. <laughs> uh, and what's Nathan? I don't know if you if you listen to this normally, but I have not picked like with my heart other than the UCA Missouri State game, and that was a toss up. Like I legitimately thought they could win it, and I have picked with my head. I picked an FBS team to beat an FCS team and got burned. Um, so, well, that's how I'm, it goes, right? That's how it always goes. The more research you do, the worse your record's going to be. That's why all of our girlfriends, wives, fiancés, whatever, would beat us in fantasy football just by throwing a dart at the board, just because we're analytical and we overanalyze things, and and then we we lose it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. My my mom and my fiance win uh, March Madness every year because See, I told uh, you. Yeah, exactly. Because I pick games that I think could be upsets, and they just pick who has the prettiest colors. So, um, <laughs> anyway, so that's that's our standings for the week. Uh, we'll we'll update it as we go. And uh, Rev, I, I cropped out uh, most of the picture, obviously, but uh, that was a nice little selfie in the uh, in the pool. You, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I feel like that's the only pictures I have, other than you shirtless in Frisco, is you <laughs> with a beer in the pool. It's like I don't know what I don't know what you do most of the time, other than drink beer in a pool. But that's uh, I'm jealous. Should I, send, should I send you pictures from? I'm going to send you a picture tomorrow from work. Just okay, while I'm, please. While I'm please on a call, I've got one from a trade show one time, I think, <laughs> and that was it because you were in a shell shirt. But oh, I, I took a picture of that and I sent it to the group chat, and I was just like sneak peek for tomorrow. <laughs> So uh, that's that's a good uh, lead, though, into our game of the week, the 96th installment of the Battle of the Piney Woods, Sam Houston and SFA. Um, does anybody know off the top of their head what the series uh, like record is? Like who's leading? And how a lot to a, it's a lot to a little. Um, I used to know it a few years ago i guess I should take that i've got it in it. front of me i just wanted it's, no it's it. it's something like isn't it like 50 i can't remember if it's 50 something 40 something or 60 something 30 something it's same, close it's, it's like, yeah you're very close 59 yeah. 35 or 59 34 somewhere yeah it's somewhere it's somewhere up there. the I, past uh, 12 years haven't haven't helped that that yeah number. the old wikipedia told me it was 63 28 and uh same houston is on a 10-year win streak 12 uh, since 2011 and you can't talk about the Battle of the Piney Woods without talking about the Flanders Flip. Um, it's our background right now. Um, I was going to play the YouTube video, but I figured we'd get copyrighted. Uh, it's the background. You can't see it, so I'm going to throw it up. The coolest play in the history of the Battle of the Piney Woods. Just look at the reactions. Yeah, that and is if, awesome. if, if you look, for those of you who are on the FCS Fans Nation page, you will see actually a member who posts on there named Victor, Victor right there in the front. Right, right there. Is and, that... and, and, and another story was I actually did his wedding. You did Victor's wedding? I did Victor's wedding. That's awesome. Yeah, I it's... thought that was Victor when I saw it, but I didn't know. Yeah, right there, uh... right there, front row. And I was actually that year, I think I was actually supposed to be sitting near him, like near him and, and Lee, who he usually sits with. And then I changed and took my, my regular seats. Thank God, or else I would have been in that picture. So it worked out really well to not sit with him. That uh, that play is iconic, and he very nearly stuck the landing. So, yeah. uh, love that play. If you uh have time, you should go search the video if you're listening to this because you don't awesome. you don't need to. You don't. I'm just kidding. No, it, uh, I mean it's it's a hell of a play. And Tim Flanders was was a hell of a running back. Um, doing doing good things up in Canada in the CFL, but one yep. I mean one one heck of a guy to watch. Like as much as I hate Sam, like you couldn't hate Tim Flanders for how good of a player he was. 
So uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the game. Obviously, Sam Houston coming off a bye, and uh, SFA pretty much coming off a bye. <laughs> um, so I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, Rev, we'll go to you last because it is your team. So uh, Brandon will go with you first, and then Nathan, and then Rev. Um, Sam Houston is one of those teams that we don't know a whole lot about. They've underperformed than what we thought they were going to perform. Um, looking at some of the stats, I mean, SFA is just murdering Sam Houston in almost every single stat. Um, SFA, we know a little bit um, about. Um, I think last week's game is going to was even though they played, it was a rest game. But I, I think blowing out any kind of football team, ninety-eight to zero, is going to be a confidence boost or it should be a confidence boost um i think it's going to play a huge role into going into the battle of piney woods i'm picking sfa um i you know right now your leading rusher for sam houston's jordan yates um he has he's kind of become the face of that football program after schmid and ezard and all those great names um and i don't think that he's uh, I mean, he's a he's a great athlete. I don't think he's a, a great football player. I don't think he's a great f- uh, football manager. Um, I don't think he has a lot of pieces around him. I think with uh, losing your coordinator, your I think Casey Keeler's kind of lost and scrounged. They're only scoring ten points per game <laughs> this year, yep. and uh, I think SFA is going to come in fired up. Um, look, the ninety-eight nothing it doesn't even count. Uh, it's a NAIA. It, it's a statistic that. You know, yeah, Rev kind of covers his face, but it's it's a statistic that you'll look back and go, oh, okay, whatever. It doesn't matter, you know, it, in, in a grand scheme of things. Um, you kind of got to work on some things. It's an extra practice, and now you got to go into the Battle of the Piney Woods in a, in a very big atmosphere and likely the last ever Battle of the Piney Woods because of the the jump to FBS. And Coach uh, Carthel t- said on, on our show – we're not doing this for free. I'm not doing. I'm not signing a contract with Sam Houston just to get our butts whipped by an FBS opponent just out of emotion because the Battle of the Piney Woods is a good a good uh, program. They're going to pay us a big check. So um, likely the last time this happens for the foreseeable future. And I guess FA is going to be fired up. I don't think Sam Houston has the pieces. I don't think they've they've put it together this year. Um, of course, anything can happen. Um, with one point loss last year, I'm going to say it's a one point victory for SFA this year. Yeah, this is this game is really hard to pick, and there's just a couple things behind it. One, it is you know it is the last dance. I'm actually sitting with some of my good friends who did go to Sam Houston. You know, we're we're doing this together because it is the last you know it is the last time until either we move or Sam Houston can afford to pay us to go there, which that's going to be a while because of their just because of where they are. Sam Houston to me this year has just been. I didn't realize the impact that Cardi had as their offensive coordinator. And then seeing them be in shambles this year, I mean, it took them nine quarters to score a touchdown. You know, um, they, I mean, they got beat by a bad Northern Arizona team. Um, granted, they turned it around in commerce, but again, that was only a 10 point victory against a transitioning in team. You're not seeing the playmakers that you had seen before. Um, you know, you're not seeing the Jaquez Ezra type player. You're not seeing the Eric Smith type throws. You're just not seeing it anymore. And the holes that they have on defense is just insane with what they lost. And their offensive line can't protect their quarterback. Um, 
But on the flip side, they can they can run the ball. That's one thing they can do. They're not throwing very well, but they can run the ball, and that's been SFA's weakness um, this year, um, defending the run. And so if if they can capitalize on that, they can they can get down the field. But SFA's got a good pass defense. Their front seven is good at getting in at the quarterback, and that could really help them out. On offense, you know, it was nice to see Grant. Yeah, like Nathan said, 98 nothing. Who cares? I need to get the sign out again one more time, but who cares, right? 98 nothing. You know, it was nice to see Xavier Gibson get the ball, get some touches because he hadn't, but again, who cares? It, it, this game is one of those games where you throw out everything that's going on. Um, it's just, it's just one of those, one of those things. Like, I, I'm looking forward to it, I'm anxious about it. Because also, too, if SFA loses this game, this will probably officially dash any sort of hopes of getting an at-large bid to the playoffs because they won't have enough D1 wins even if they went out. So a lot more is riding on this um, game than just the rivalry. You know, there's a law of averages, and, the, you know, there's a, at some point SFA has to win this game. It's just, it's just it's one of those things that has to happen. So as much as <laughs> – if this wasn't game of the week, I would pick Sam – using the reverse psychology, but seeing how there are standings involved in this one, I got to pick SFA um, because I do think that at the moment they're the more put together team out of the two. Um, but you never know, right? It's just going to be one of those games. You, you, you absolutely never know what's going to happen. Um, looking forward to it, but man, like it's, uh, I, you know, Kyler Neal, who, who, for those of y'all who are listening, he does the big boy show and he does Eagles power hour. Um, and up north, he's actually going with me to this game because um, he lives in the area. And I told him, I was like, man, I would have loved for you to go last year instead because I think the the quality of the comp of the game was was a better game last year than this year. But uh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna take SFA begrudgingly because of the standings. Um, actually, wait, Brandon, you picked SFA. Yeah. <sighs> See now, do I pick Sam? And go against my gut, and then no, I'm gonna stay. We'll take SFA. We will, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with SFA. So that's that's who it's gonna be. Yeah, uh, seeing as you all picked SFA, I should probably just start picking with you guys because uh, I'm not <laughs> doing too well picking on my own. But uh, we can talk X's and O's with these two teams as much as we want, and neither team has been uber impressive um, at all. But I will say, Sam Houston, every time they take the field, has just not looked. Like they've enjoyed being there. It's mm-hmm. like we're, we're here because we have to be. Casey Keeler, you you kind of alluded to it. He looked he looks lost right now. Like I don't know if he's just kind of floating through this nine game transition season or what. Um, I think but, they are. I think they're focused on the move. And I, I think they may That's be a, a bad cons- thing though. That's such they a may bad be thing. a little concerned about the move because I know they're they're positioning themselves for a uh, you know further down the line realignment process, but you got to focus on the here and now you got to try and win ball games now. Um, and I'm not saying they're not trying to win them, but I don't know that it's the most important thing on their plate right now. Um, you know, in the back of their mind. And so I think it's going to be a close game because I do think Sam Houston, obviously, obviously they've got athletes, um, and it is a rivalry game. So I don't think it'll be a blowout either way. Um, so I'm going to go one point, one point win for, uh, your lumberjacks rev. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what the scores are going to be. Um, hopefully you guys can get Xavier Gibson going. Um, I think that would, uh, really help you guys. Obviously it would help you guys, but, uh, if Casey Keeler sells out to stop Xavier Gibson, it may be a little bit of a long night, but, um, 
I'm going to say your Lumberjacks pull it out. Yeah, you guys touched on this, and I did the nine-game season. I mean, it's almost like they're playing; they're just going through the motions because they have nothing to play for this year. And I'm like, yeah. you know, that's not true because you also want to be an inviting program for transfers. And at the same time, if you're mm-hmm. looking to leave, you want to look like you're worth taking as a transfer. So I think the mentality is wrong. And I would love for any Sam Houston fan who's who's listening to to say I'm wrong, but that's just kind of what it feels like that they're just, they're just going through the motions of this season to get into um, to get into the CUSA next year. And Sam's not in a good spot for this transition. We've said this on this multiple times. JSU is in such a much better financial spot than Sam Houston is. And when you look at Sam Houston, that's out of conference games. I mean, they've got, I, they, I, there's no way like playing Hawaii is going to bring anybody into Bowers. Like, I mean, they're, they're the only game their fans show up to is the Battle of Piney Woods in Houston. Their fans can't be troubled to drive an hour north to go to Huntsville. And that's not going to help them at the next level because none of those games scream, wow. They have to get someone like Texas State, who was a historic rival, back on the schedule. And I assume they will at some point. But until then, mm-hmm. until you're getting butts in the seats, you're not making any money. They don't. Their marketing sucks too. That's the other thing. They hired in a, a they brought in a new guy to 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 hopefully turn marketing around. And I I honestly hope he does because their marketing is god awful. There's no there's there's no like pizzazz. It's like oh we're going to conference USA. Hmm. I guess we'll see you Saturday as we play AM Commerce. Like there's just there's there's nothing bringing in the crowd. Their stadium needs so much rehab and work. And I say this as someone who plays in a dump of a stadium too. Sorry, SFA admin, if you're listening, you've done a great job on the turf and everything, but stands, you know, not in the best shape. Like, like, um, you know, there, you know, Bowers needs a lot of work, needs a lot of renovation, needs a lot of love. Right now, there's not a visiting locker room at Bowers because they started renovating the locker rooms instead of focusing on the stands first because no one's going to be in the stands. Why wouldn't you start there? Um, anyway, like they just, it's just their, their program's not where you would ex- have expected them to be giving recent performance. And I think it's just in talking about it now, it's just absolutely shocking to me that they've let themselves get to that point this year. Well, one thing that, uh, that we talked to Casey Keeler last year, me and Brandon did in our podcast, and and this was he, he had a tweet um, in the spring kind of critiquing teams that jump from the FCS to FBS because he says, I want to play for national championships, not for, you know, pointless bowl games. And I, I honestly don't believe Casey Keeler wanted this move. I don't think this is – I don't think it's a good fit for him. Um, when they won the, the national championship at, at Sam Houston, he said that we now become – you know, forever national champions. We are we are now forever national champions. Nobody cares when you win the Boca Raton Bowl. You know what I'm saying? And, and even if they win six games for their very first season, nobody cares. He wants to play for national championships. And I wouldn't be surprised if the right <laughs> if the right job came came across that Casey Keeler jumps ship from Sam Houston and goes somewhere in the FCS. I think he, he wants to be in the FCS. I think he enjoys being in the FCS and I don't think this is a move he wanted and maybe his heart's not in it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he's a head coach. He's going to, he would never lay out and, and not coach the way he, he wants, but I just feel like it's, it's just a part of him. The FCS was a part of him. He's won two national championships, one at Delaware, Sam Houston. He's an FCS guy. He knows national championships, make you now uh, the notoriety that comes with it, those rings, and no one can ever take that away from you. And going up to the FBS, he knows he's not going to be playing for anything for the foreseeable future. And I think that that frustrates him. Yeah, like he's, what, 63, 62, 63? He's, 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 you know, he's still got some tread on the tires. 
right? As a coach. And I think any FCS program who needs a coach would take him in a heartbeat, would be like, hey, man, you 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 win. You know how to win. You've done it at Delaware. You've done it at Rowan. You've done it everywhere you've coached. And at Sam Houston, obviously, you know how to win. I Yeah, it, it sort of surprised me that, that I mean, I, I mean, I guess it does because at the end of the day, it's really a president's decision about moving, you know, the president's an AD, but it's really the president and, and um, Dr. White, I believe is her name at Sam. It was, it was for it, but I, I honestly can't see him staying at Sam more than a couple of years. Um, you know, I think if a, if a, if, if a school, like let's say, let's just use Kennesaw state. If, if Bohannon was to leave, was to take a new job, if they were to reach out to Keeler, I think he would go like that. He would just, he would just make the move. Um, you know, and that maybe that's just the right thing. He he is not an FBS coach. He doesn't want to be an FBS coach. Like you said, he likes the level he plays at. He likes contending for a national championship. He doesn't give two two craps about the Boca Raton Bowl or the Bahamas Bowl or the New Orleans Bowl or the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl or the you know the whatever bowl. You're picking. Like. You're picking all the good ones, man. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like, want to go to Boca? Uh, have you have you have you been to that stadium in Boca? <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, you think Bowers is bad? That st- stadium is. Uh, oh, I mean, to the point, like, there, there's just, there's no, there's nothing there except for playing the week before Christmas on a bar on and as a background. That's what you get as, as eleven a.m. Yeah, at eleven a.m. Like he wants that national championship. Yes, you know, to be fair, the FCS game doesn't doesn't draw the viewers that that the New Year's Bowls do or things like that. But he's not going to be in a New Year's Bowl. You know, everybody talks about now the, the the group of five have a have a chance at the CF. They they don't. They really don't. That they've made that to where the the conference USA isn't going to sniff that. Um, no offense. Maybe Jacksonville State might, but like Sam's not going to. And and they're going to find a way to make that where it's just about the big schools again. That that's that's just what's going to to happen. So there's there, I don't yeah I don't see him staying there. It's it is kind of kind of I mean kind of sad to, to see it. Um, you know, I wish I, I've said this before, like, I know Joe wished Sam Houston the best of luck once they transition. Um, you know, we, um, at some point I, you know, if SFA were to jump, I'm sure the rivalry will start back up because of the proximity of the schools, you know, a lot of our fan bases interact with each other, but, and I, I absolutely wish them the best, but man, oh man, do I think they, they went after a big thing and didn't do it the right way. That's just what it is. Well, uh, I, I think that pretty much wraps everything up for tonight. Uh, it was a, it was fun. And Nathan, we were so glad that you were able to be here with us. Before we go, let everyone that may be listening know where they can find you, whether it be on Twitter or your podcast. Let everybody know. Yeah, at McCrary Radio on Twitter and at FCS Checkdown um, on Twitter as well as our, our the podcast show link. And uh, Brandon, Joseph, and I have the FCS, FCS Checkdown. We focus a lot on the Southeast region, the A-Sun and the WAC. Um, but we've kind of reached out this year a little bit uh, of a, large, a longer reach to kind of draw in some other FCS schools. And uh, we're just having a blast. We have a, a Pick'em segment at the end. I think it's the, one of the best Pick'em segments I've heard. I mean, we have Coach Ron, who is uh, the father of Ryan Jackson, uh, the EKU defensive lineman, comes on, and he is fantastic. Um, he has his ridiculous underdog picks each week. So, yeah, we just have a good time, and and we enjoy it. And I tell you, I never thought you – know, I didn't, I, it didn't matter to me if – 10 or, or, or 100 people or 1,000 people listen. We're just going to do the show and have fun with it. And we've had great response and and uh, a lot of reoccurring fans. So we just appreciate everybody listening, tuning in, and, and the, 
the the relationships we're building and we've had rev on and i know we've had brandon on last year and uh well we got to get you on when uh, uca starts playing better football yeah maybe so <laughs> i will say i will say with your show like i love the interviews that you have but man the segment with coach ron and the picks my absolute favorite to listen to like just just because of how just his underdog picks that hit that hit he you know he, he just he nails it sometimes and it, it's, it's a does. great it's absolute great uh great show well um you know thanks like it was a pleasure being on um last week thanks for coming on this week we yeah, appreciate no. having you I appreciate the invite and uh, yeah, it's a great relationship and uh, I'll be reaching out to all, all you guys to get your thoughts and, and be guests on the show. Absolutely. Well, uh, we appreciate everybody listening in this week to wax Sun weekly. Make sure uh, you subscribe to uh, the, U, the FCS fans nation YouTube channel, please hit that subscribe button. That keeps us being able to uh, get this thing going um, and make sure you join the FCS Fans Nation Facebook group. Um, it is a, I guess we're like 12,000 people strong now. And so uh, it is really great uh, what what gets said and uh, shown on there. Uh, it's really awesome. And make sure if you're going to Frisco, get your tickets. Uh, very few left. So uh, do that if you want to come hang out with uh, a giant group, giant melting pot of people. So um we appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel, and uh, we'll see everybody next week.